0: Thanks. Um, We've got a new bike rider in our house. Uh, luke uh, our six-year-old has learned how to ride his bike and it's a pretty big deal I mean if you're a parent and you know I mean, you know, it's a big deal when you learn how to ride your bike and uh, It's taken a while to get to this point. All right. We tried last summer, but we weren't quite getting there Well last weekend and if you remember it was it was a nice weekend. It was a warm weekend Luke came up to me and said daddy. I, I want to work on riding my bike again And so I saw this as a moment to inspire and so I looked at him and I said luke Daddy's taking the training wheels off and we're not putting them back on. All right, you're learning to ride your bike this spring. And so we got started and we practiced on Friday. And again, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. It's up and down the sidewalk and hand on the shoulder. You know, you let go, you catch them in the nick of time. They're back on balance. And we did that on Friday and we did that on Saturday and we did that on Sunday and progress, I mean, it was obvious that we were going to get it this year. And so we had been practicing on Sunday afternoon. I was a little worn out. And so we were taking a break. Daddy was taking a break. And I was hanging out on the drive and sort of got distracted. And while I was doing that, Luke kept messing with his bike. And he was trying to balance and push off. And then all of a sudden, and I'm not really paying attention, I hear this. Daddy, hey, look. And I was able to catch it. And just this is what I saw. There he goes, you know, there's our boy Luke, you know, he's, he's learned to ride his bike, all right, he's figuring out the turns, we've had a few accidents, but it was like in that moment, he decided, you know what, I got it, like, I know everything that I need to know, it was this defining moment where he just decided, you know what, I'm going to push off and I'm going to figure this thing out for myself and I'm going to get going, I'm just going to go for it, so we've got another bike rider in our house, but, you know, we all have moments like these in our lives. You know, we have these defining moments, these moments where you've got to step up and you say, you know, I'm looking uncertainty in the eye, but I'm going to go for it. You know, I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. I I don't know if you've ever run the Indy Mini Marathon before. I remember the first time I ever ran the Mini Marathon. You know, mile 10 is a big deal. Like, I mean, you get to mile 10, it's that breakthrough point. You've got to decide, am I all in or, or am I out? And you keep pushing. I mean, maybe in college, you know, maybe that defining moment for you was when you officially declared your major. Or as you were getting prepared for a project or the entrance exam or something. You know, maybe maybe you had a defining moment at work and you know the talk around the company is that layoffs are possible and it scared you for a while and you were anxious, but one morning you woke up and you decided, you know what, there's nothing I can do about it. I gotta just go to work every day and I gotta do my best and I gotta keep moving ahead. You know, some of you have started your own business. And you know that was a big deal because your mom was telling you you might fail, you know, but you knew you could succeed and you just decided in that moment, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, you know, do whatever it takes. And, you know, a much more common experience lies in the area, the realm of our relationships. Uh, how, how many of you have ever seen these letters before? The letters DTR, all right? All right. Uh, you know, maybe, you know what these mean. It, it's that, it, it's that, you know, I, these, these letters are enough to strike fear into young men's lives, you know, into a, a man's life. I mean, men have been known to run, you know, from such letters to run from such an imminent conversation. I mean, people have, 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 have let a relationship go because they don't want to have this conversation. You know what the letters DTR mean? Define the relationship. All right. It's the define the relationship talk. You know that eventually comes about in every romantic relationship where you got to sit down and decide where's this thing going You know, I mean are we both in this, you know And every relationship goes through it where you decide if this is real or not I remember, you know when the the summer night before jenny and I were engaged when we had that dtr, you know I also remember a time a guy wanted to have a dtr conversation with me now let Let me let me just tell you I was married, he was married, all right? And we had gone to a college football game together for the day, and we were driving home in the car that night, and all of a sudden, he just kind of turned to me out of nowhere and was like, hey, Paul, where's this friendship thing of ours going, you know? Is this real or not? I mean, where do you see this going? Now, I might have some insecurities that I'm not aware of, but I didn't want to talk about my feelings, you know, especially with this guy, you know, and so... I'll just say we didn't spend a lot of time together after that, you know. I mean, he wanted to have this DTR conversation. I wasn't really in it. But uh, that's what we're starting today, really. We're, we're starting this brand new series called Not a Fan. And I don't, I don't know, if, have any of you seen this book, Not a Fan? Anybody picked it up and started reading it yet? We've got a few around the room. Um, Not a Fan is a book written by a guy by the name of Kyle Eidelman. Kyle's a pastor, a friend of mine. We served on the same staff together in louisville but he asked this question you know are are you a fan or a follower of jesus now i've been reading this book and our staff's reading this book together Uh, i know that a number of our connection groups are going to be following along with us over these next weeks you know not only talking about the book but talking about you know what we're discussing here on sunday morning and so i mean it's obvious this book has inspired this series for us i want i want to challenge you to get this book I mean, if you do some reading, if you're willing to do some reading to pick up this book, you can get it just about at any uh, bookstore, Christian or not. Or you can buy it online from your favorite site. It, it'd be a great book to follow along with. But, but the question is asked in there of every one of us to define our relationship with Jesus. And, and that's really what we're getting at over these next few weeks. I'm going to challenge you to define your relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, where are you right now and where do you see this going? Now, I get the fact that for some of you, this is kind of like a first date, you know, Genesis Church. I mean, maybe you've just gotten started here. You've come with a friend and, you know, you might be serious about it. You're checking this out for the very first time. I don't want you to feel threatened by this because there's, there's room for you here. All right. And there's room in this conversation for you. And, and I think there's plenty of work for you to do as we discuss this series, not a fan. But for the rest of us, for those of you that have been around Genesis for a long time or been around a church for a long time, I think we're all prepared for this kind of a conversation. Or we need to have this conversation. You know, this DTR conversation, you know, beginning today where you and I, you know, in your own time, in your own space, you begin thinking about your relationship with Jesus Christ and where you are and where you see this thing going. Now, as a way of looking at Jesus' invitation to us, I mean, what is it really that he invites us to do? I want to look at a verse from the start today, and we're going to look at this verse several times over the next weeks. Uh, But it's a verse that clearly lays out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And in Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23, uh, Jesus said it this way. It says, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, And in other translations, it says, if anyone would follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, here's why I think we're ready or you might be ready for such a conversation. I I, I think many of you will welcome this DTR talk as a Christian, because honestly, you want to take your relationship with Jesus Christ to another level. I mean, you're committed. I mean, you want to grow. You want to go deeper with Him. You want to get past the casual and past the committed and convenient into your life to something devoted or something more committed. I mean, I've had this conversation with people around Genesis. It's a growing conversation where people say, you know, I want to grow more in my faith. I want to go deeper. And maybe not only for you, but you want this for others too. And and I'm encouraged by such a conversation because yes, we are here to reach out to lost people as a church, but we are here to grow one another and to encourage one another and to become more and more like Jesus in everything that we do. So some of you are ready for this DTR sort of a talk, but some of you aren't ready for this talk. And here's why you're not ready for this talk, because you sort of like the setup you have with Jesus. I mean, you know he's a good guy and you like this church and you like being here on Sundays and, and maybe it helps to keep the peace around your house. I mean, you like going to church but this idea of greater commitment. I mean, just be honest with yourself. It might even be creating some anxiety in you at this moment. And so that's what we're going to do over the next weeks. We're going to work on defining the relationship. Now, not me for you. This is you for you. I'll take care of myself. I'll I'll work on my relationship with with Jesus because it it needs some work. But this is you for you. You define your relationship. Where do you see it going right now? And the greater question is this one. Are you a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus? And there's a big difference. Now, some of you might wonder why we would lead with a question like that because we'd all say, well, we're all followers of Jesus, right? I mean, we're all here, but not so fast. I mean, let me be clear on, on what I'm asking of you. I'm not asking if you go to church three times a month. That you get there, you know, at least three times a month. I'm not asking you if your parents or your grandparents go to church, and and so you do too. I'm not asking you if you've ever raised your hand at the end of a service here at Genesis before. I'm not asking you if you own three Bibles, or if you go to a Christian college, or if Caleb is the number one program station, you know, on your radio. I'm not asking that. You know, I'm not asking you if you have a Jesus fish on the back of your car, if your family picture has ever appeared in a church directory somewhere, you know. That's not what I'm asking. I'm just asking, are you a fan Of Jesus or a follower of Him. Now let's define some terms here. If you're taking notes and want to follow along with us, let's define fan as an enthusiastic admirer. Enthusiastic admirer. Now, we're all fans of something. We've got lots of fans of sports teams, right? I mean, we're all fans of a team. You've got the jersey, you buy the gear. You know, right now we've got a lot of fans of football. I mean, Indy just hosted the Super Bowl. And so if you've never been a football fan before, maybe you're now a fan of football. I, I know that as soon as the Patriots won the AFC, we had a lot of New York Giants fans, you know, living in central Indiana, you know, anything. But the Patriots, were all fans of something, sports teams, restaurants, maybe you have a particular writer or author you enjoy. Maybe it's a band for you, uh, maybe a car. You know, my, my grandma was a Ford you know, woman. She bought nothing but Fords, all right? And my Uncle Bob was a GM guy. And so anytime my grandma's car needed some repairs, he would get under her skin, you know, and talk about, you know, why she should have purchased a Ford, you know, we, we are a GM. You know, we all understand what it means to be a fan of something. Now, my concern is just this. My concern is that our church has the potential to become nothing more than a stadium full of fans. It could happen. You know, and Jesus never cared about having fans. I mean, if you define as a, a fan as an enthusiastic admirer of Jesus, well, fans weren't really that important to him. You know, and whether we want to admit to it or not, I just think it's real easy for Christianity in America to be all about, you know, coming together one time a week, you know, and we sit in our seats and we applaud and we watch the show and then on the way home we give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I'm just saying, I, I think... I think it's easy for Christianity to become that in America. And I get the fact that there are a lot of fans of Jesus because I've been a fan. And I'm guilty at times of being a fan in my life, in different times and in different situations. You know, and sometimes being a fan of Jesus is pretty fulfilling. You know, we may not even recognize that, that we're becoming nothing more than distant admirers of Jesus. And, but the hard part is acknowledging that Jesus, he didn't spend a lot of time looking to please the fans. And so I just want to ask you to have a DTR with Jesus. And that might be something that starts today and continues this week. Uh, It may happen over the next six weeks. But that you have this DTR with Jesus, you know, and be honest with yourself and, and search your heart over these next weeks and do the work to define what you've got going on with him. And as you do that, ask this question, am I satisfied with what I'm learning? Or could I see this going deeper? You know, there are a few questions that I want to give you today that will help you and can help me as we think about this relationship with Jesus and what we want from it or where we are right now or see it going. And again, if you're taking notes, you want to follow along with these, I'm going to give you these kind of quick. The first one is just this, as we get started in this series, it's why are you here? To ask that of yourself, to spend some time reflecting on the question, why are you here? Now, if you read through the gospels, Jesus at different points in his ministry would draw a line in the sand and ask people to commit. He would ask them, are you going to be a fan of me or are you really interested in following? And one instance that we see of this is in John chapter 6. It was when Jesus was addressing the crowd of 5,000. Now, scholars will tell you that whenever you see a number in the Bible, a number representing people, it was usually only men. And so when you see a number like 5,000, you've got to assume that there were women and children present. And so a number like 5,000 most likely means at least 20,000 people. And so Jesus is popular. I mean, he's got a fan base with him here in John chapter 6. And word is spread about the miracles that he's performing and all of his teaching. And verse 2 says it this way. John chapter 6 verse 2 says, And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he performed on the sick." So why are the people coming? I mean, they're coming for the show. I mean, they're coming to see what they've heard. They are coming to be healed. And so after a full day of teaching, Jesus knows and realizes the crowd is getting hungry. And so he turns to his disciples and asks them, you know, what are we going to do about food? Now, that, that's a challenge with 20,000 people 2,000 years ago and even today. And so the disciples are sort of looking around at each other with confusion But it just so happened that Andrew had spotted a boy in the crowd, a boy with uh, five loaves of bread and two small fish. And so he gets them and he gives them to Jesus. And you've probably heard the story before. What does Jesus do? He takes them and he thanks God for them and he blesses them and he multiplies them. And the scriptures say that he passed them out and there was enough for everyone and there were even leftovers. Now the meal ends and the crowd stays the night. I mean, you know you're a pretty big fan if you're willing to camp out all night, right? And and that's the case with these folks. And what's the problem in the morning? They wake up hungry. I mean, it's time to eat again. And it doesn't take long for them to look around and discover that Jesus wasn't there. And if you continue reading in the passage, you'll discover that during the night that he and the disciples, they crossed over to the other side of the lake. And so these, this crowd, they go searching for him. And by the time they find him, they're starving and breakfast is long past, but that doesn't mean he can't provide lunch. But we see that Jesus isn't interested in throwing a picnic. Verse 26 says, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus has a hunch that they're not going to the trouble of looking for him because they're ready to follow. They're hungry. I mean, was it Jesus that they really wanted or were they hungry? Were they only interested in what he could do for them? And I'm just thinking that that's just a question I think worth asking. No matter whether this is your second time at church or if you've been going to a church for 20 years now, Why are you here? What is your because? I mean, is it because like these people, you know, you're interested in the free food or the seats are comfortable or you like the music or it's a place of escape or your children like coming? And I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with any of this. But I'm just saying that at some point you've got to ask yourself, what does this mean for me? And what's this relationship coming to for me? Verse 35 then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And suddenly for these people, Jesus is the only thing on the menu. This is the only thing that he offers. And in that moment, if you're standing in the crowd, you've got to decide, is Jesus enough for me? I mean, can he satisfy or am I really just hungry for something else? And so Jesus is challenging these people to go deeper. He's challenging them to think and to reflect. He's inviting them into this deeper relationship with him. And then verse 66, and it's a sad one. It just says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You know, most weren't into the meal that Jesus was serving up. And a lot of them went home because they were just basically saying, you know, Jesus was saying, hey, let's just be honest with ourselves. What is it that we've got going on here? Let's define what's happening. And I, I'm just saying that I think it might be time for every single one of us to do that. To define. To take a moment and think about what do I, what do I have going on here? What is it that I'm looking for? And, and I'm not saying that it means having it all together. Please don't get me wrong in that. I, I'm not saying that it means to have it all figured out. I mean, you've got all your ducks in order. You've got all your pieces in place. You're living this so-called perfect life. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm just saying, is there a hunger? Is there a desire? I mean, do you sense that every day and every week something different is happening in you and you're not satisfied with where you are, but there's this eagerness for more, that I want to be more like Jesus. And I just say that if that's where you are, you keep going. You keep going. That's exactly the attitude that Jesus is looking for in every single one of us. But if you're only coming for the show and if you're only coming thinking what Jesus can do for you and your agenda and you know that you've got no desire to ever let it become anything more than that, I guess I'm just wondering, you know, like these people here, what's keeping you from going home? Define the relationship. Ask yourself, why am I here? Because why? What's Jesus want? He wants a deeper relationship with every single one of us. He's looking for followers. The second question is, are you all in? And we already defined fan as an enthusiastic admirer. So if you're taking notes, let's write a follower could be defined as completely committed. Sold out, completely committed. A follower of Jesus will do whatever it takes. It's about loyalty. It's about being completely committed. Again, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, don't underestimate the power of Jesus' words here because he's saying, you know, following me is a big deal. It's not easy. He's saying following means, means letting go of your selfish desires. It means letting go of your ambitions, your so-called security he's saying you're no longer in charge you're not just listening to yourself but you're now listening to god i mean god's in control god's in charge in your life and this is a humbling you know setting aside of will here and then he says take up my cross and that's an interesting sort of phrase you know two important things about this statement again if you want to write these down to take up your cross what jesus is getting at here is he's basically saying that you would physically lose your life for jesus christ Now, we think that that would never happen in America. That just only happens outside of America, and it's probably more true. But it means you would be willing. I mean, your relationship with Jesus Christ means so much to you that you would lose, that I would lose my life for him. But it also means, you know, it's this setting aside every day of these selfish desires. It's this dying to self. I mean, death on a cross was, was awful. I mean, it was dreaded, you know, and like Jesus, most who were crucified were forced to carry their cross to their eventual place of execution. And so you can see the self-denial and the submission in such a measure. And Jesus says, hey, this is just what it means to follow me. To follow me means to trust me, to trust my forgiveness, to receive it and to be baptized and to be changed forever. But baptism is not the end of the journey. I mean, it's just the starting point for us. It's only the beginning. You know, to follow means to surrender and say, you know, what? in my life, from this day forward, I am going to do everything I can to surrender my life to Jesus, to become more and more like him in all things. I mean, we would do well, every single one of us, no matter how long you've been in church, how new you've been, you, or how whatever it may be, to spend some time with Luke nine twenty three. just asking ourselves, how am I doing at following? Where do I see this submission and this humility in my life? How do I see it working? Because this idea of total commitment is tough because we prefer selective commitment. I mean, I'm guilty of this and we see it in so many ways in our lives. I mean, if you've got an iPhone or a smartphone, I mean, you pick and choose the apps that you want on your phone, right? You know, we talked about this last week, or if you go to Subway, I mean, when you put your sandwich together, you pick and choose the exact toppings that you want on your sandwich. And I'm just saying that in Christianity, we do this too. We prefer the selective commitment. We prefer to customize our Christianity. And so we'll look at our relationship with Jesus and we'll say, I'm going to follow Jesus in these areas, but I'm just going to pick and choose the ones that apply to me or that have the most comfort with them. And so I might say, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm not going to forgive in this area of my life because you don't know what he did. And I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to embrace the pain and the bitterness, and I'm going to take it with me, even though Jesus says, we got to let that go. Or when it comes to, you know, sexual activity in your life, I mean, you might say, you know, I I think the Bible's a little out of date on this measure, you know, and, and I don't want to abstain, and it's more convenient to live together anyways. Or like we talked about with money. I mean, for so many people today, it's, well, it's my money, and, I mean, God hands off in this area. I mean, we'll follow Jesus, but only to the point where it's comfortable or what's important to us. You know, we make Christianity this customized experience. We'll say, I'll follow you, but only in the areas that work for me. Can I just break the news to you? Like, if this is your attitude, you know, and your approach to Christianity, you're not a Christian. You're just a fan. I mean, you're just a fan of Jesus. I mean, Jesus left us no option for selective commitment. He didn't do it. No possibility. There's no bargaining. There's no compromising. When you decide to follow Jesus, you and I, we have no choice but to go all in with our lives. And fans don't really like going all in. So why are you here? Are you all in? The last one is this. Have you made it your own? Have you made it your own? I mean, what what, what got you started going to church? I mean, if you're like me, my parents took me every week. I I had no choice in the matter. maybe you started going because of a guy or a girl. You know, maybe again, it's to help keep the peace in your home or something. You know, for those of you that grew up in the church... You know, like me, it's easy to fall into this pattern of a fandom of sorts. I mean, you know, you, you could accuse me of being a fan of Jesus, especially when I was in high school and college, but I still have a lot of these tendencies in me today of being a fan of picking and choosing what works for me. And I'm not really proud of it. This is an area that I really got to continue working on with God. And I want you to know that with this subject of fan versus follower, I not only want to do that work personally, but it also matters to me as a pastor because I know that I've been guilty of lowering the bar at times, of maybe talking people into not leaving or you know, maybe not saying what I feel like or what I believe God is leading me to say, softening the message because I'm afraid it might, not, it might sting too much. I've got the fan tendency in me, and I'm not proud of it. You know, fans sit at a distance. You know, it's like attending the big game or the big show. You get a program. You know who the quarterback is, but you watch from a distance and you cheer and you're a spectator. But followers don't get programs. I mean, as a quarterback gets a playbook, as an actor gets a script, I mean, we get playbooks. As a follower of Jesus, we're invited into the game. We're invited into the story. I'm just saying to, to call yourself a fan of Jesus, I think that is one of the most dangerous situations that we could ever find ourselves in. You know, if your faith isn't your own, if you aren't pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you keep coming week after week customizing, you know, what really just works for you, you're just numbing yourself to the real thing. Jesus has invited every single one of us here today to be followers of Him, to make our faith our own with our story and with our junk. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. You know, to be a fan doesn't mean you've arrived or you've got it all together. It's just saying, I'm not satisfied with where I am. I've got to keep going. I want to be more like Jesus. The close, the band's going to come out on the stage here. I just want to read you one little selection here in this book. And it's early on in the book as we're being challenged to define this relationship. It's written this way says eventually every healthy relationship reaches a point where the DTR talk is needed. Is it casual or is it committed? Have things moved past infatuation and admiration and towards deeper devotion and dedication? You need to intentionally evaluate the state of the relationship and your level of commitment to the person. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Let's do this together. In your mind, picture yourself walking into a local coffee shop. You grab a snack and get a drink and then walk towards the back where it isn't crowded and you find a seat at a small table. You take a sip of your drink and enjoy a few quiet minutes. Now imagine that Jesus comes in and sits down next to you. Before you have a chance to make things more awkward, Jesus skips past the small talk and He gets right to the point with you. He looks you in the eye and says, Hey, it's time we define the relationship. He wants to know how you feel about Him. Is your relationship with Him exclusive? Is it just a casual weekend thing or has it moved past that? How would your relationship with him be defined? What exactly is your level of commitment? And so let's just ask. Just open up your heart and do the work and ask. Do I want to be a fan of Jesus? Or do I want to be a follower of Jesus?